Welcome to episode 15 of the Wolf Sports Show. We've got a ton happening around the NFL right now, and no more teams are on a bye. Bye weeks are done, so all 32 teams are in action. So we have a lot to hit. I'm going to get through all of it. Uh, I might go a little quicker because there's so much to hit. I don't know how long the show will end up being, but there's a ton we got to go through, and we're going to get through it all. Again, as always, we cover all 32 teams every single week on the show because we know a lot of I guess shows and companies don't cover every team they'll just stick with some of the mainstream things and have the same debates every week but let's start with the latest breaking news from late last night early in the morning I guess you can consider it after midnight, the Jaguars fired head coach Urban Meyer after 13 games, and it ends a tumultuous run for Meyer in the NFL. I don't like to be negative at all. Um, I like to give people chances, but I wasn't alone in thinking that the Meyer situation might not work out. I thought there was a chance just because of how much success he's had throughout his coaching career. But it just he just never felt like a fit in the NFL. And with all the stuff that's come out in the recent days and weeks, it's clear it, his style just didn't work. Maybe it would have been different if he had a super talented roster and was winning games. Then you can act like the way he was obviously acting. But when you're losing games, I think if you're listening to this, you've seen the reports and if you're losing games you can't act like that of course there was some stuff over the summer relatively minor things but then you had early in the season after a Thursday night loss he did not travel back with the team and he was caught at a bar with a young girl near him that he wasn't married to but the worst part of the situation was probably him not going back with the team on the team plane and staying there in Ohio to party. That's pretty much unheard of. And that was a major red flag right there. Several weeks ago when the Jags upset the Bills and the team was celebrating, like, as you'd expect, they were happy to win a game because it's been, it was a tough season. It's been a tough season and they won a game and they all were, they looked really happy and were celebrating with Meyer. So I thought, as I stated on the show, I'm pretty sure, I thought that was a good sign that the players, they seemed to like Meyer at that point, even after the plane thing. But clearly the wheels just fell off, and I don't think anyone is upset that Meyer is leaving on the Jaguars, given all the reports we've been seeing. Last week, this basically set it up where it looked like Meyer was certainly going to be done after the season, an NFL.com report. You've probably seen it or heard about it. It did not paint Meyer in a positive light at all. The big thing to me was that 
he basically called his coaches that he hired, his assistant coaches, he called them losers. If it's true, and it seems like it is, based on Meyer saying he's going to find out who leaked it and fire them quickly, immediately when he finds out. Their NFL.com report says that Meyer challenged his assistants to prove why they're winners. He said he himself is a winner, and he wants essentially to see their resumes and point to what they've done throughout their coaching careers that makes them winners. That's a pretty terrible look. And then you had former Jaguars kicker who was cut earlier this year saying that last night that this was the final straw, basically, I think, for Jaguars owner Shad Khan, that Lambeau said that Meyer kicked him. Not like a super hard kick, but not an easy kick either. And cursed at him and said, make your kicks. And Lambeau also said he didn't really talk to the special teams guys as calling them their names. He mostly called them kicker, punter, whatever. That might work out when you have a super talented team in college. That's not going to work out with professional athletes. And it did not end Myers done after 13 games in one of the, what looks like one of the worst hirings in league history. But thankfully, Trevor Lawrence, we'll see who the Jags bring in. A lot of people are calling for Jim Caldwell, former Lions coach that somehow won 11 games in a season with the Lions. And he should have never been fired from Detroit. A lot of people are calling for the Jags to hire him, but it should only go up from here for Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, and he's going to be in a better spot in 2022, at least. He better be. The Jags better make a good hire. The other big story of the week is COVID hitting the NFL. The Browns have been hit extremely hard. Baker Medfield and Kevin Stefanski are among those on the list. Their former teammate player for the Browns, Oda Buckham Jr., for the Rams, is on the list. Jalen Ramsey landed on the list for the Rams before the Monday night game last week. Odell did after. The Dolphins, pretty much their whole running back room, has been wiped out by COVID right now. They're all on the list. They can get cleared by Sunday. Hopefully they do. But now Jalen Waddle for Miami is also on the list. And I believe all the guys I've mentioned and most of the guys on the list are vaccinated. Mayfield supposedly has no symptoms. And as I've said before, I just want this to end. This, this can't just go on forever. We can't. We're letting it dominate things right now. There's been no evidence. I think the NFL has come out and said it itself. There's no evidence of on-field transmission of the virus. You're outside in a wide-open area playing. You're not like close to each other that often. I mean, in the trenches, linemen are a little bit, but still you're outside. I think we might be getting to the point where if you're, especially if you're vaccinated, maybe, I don't know what it is, don't even test maybe them. Do it only if you have symptoms that you might land on the COVID list. But with this new Omicron variant, which is said to be more transmittable, we're nearing the point where a whole team almost might get wiped out or to the point where they can't play a game, don't have enough players. And my hope has been that 
they get through this season and then next season is just normal. Maybe if you have symptoms, you land on the list, get tested. And if you test positive, land on the list, but we can't be dealing with this for years because it appears COVID is here to stay. Unfortunately, after it should have never happened at all. Uh, I don't mind blaming China. It's, I think it's clear it came from the lab. It was unleashed on the world, and now we got to deal with it. But we can't let it dominate with vaccine widely available in the U.S. You can get it if you want it. Other therapies. We should be as safe as common sense dictates and protect those who need it most. But we can't let it continue to dominate our lives. Another big story for the week is Las Vegas will get Super Bowl 58 in 2024. The Raiders Allegiant Stadium is just flat out sick. It looks like a Death Star, people said, a black Death Star almost. And so the big game will be there in a few years. So that'll be quite the event, and we know sports betting has exploded, and Vegas is a huge spot for betting, sports betting. So that'll be a big event as it always is the Super Bowl in 2024. And then finally, we want to send our condolences to Demarius Thomas's family after he suddenly and sadly passed away last week at 33 years old. It came out of nowhere and you can tell by the response from everyone, all his former teammates and coaches, and it's clear how well-liked he was. And it's just a very sad situation. And it was nice that the Broncos honored Thomas and were able to get the win over the lines last week. And now moving on to the Week 15 games. 16 of them, again, teams no more bye weeks. So every team's in action moving forward for the final four weeks. It kicks off tonight with the Chiefs going to California to face the Chargers. I don't think you need me to hype this up. It's one of the best Thursday night games of the year. Thursday night is maybe the best package, gets the best games, and Fox has done a good job with it with, I think, the best broadcast team in Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Both teams have had some, I guess you can say, relatively small compared to others' COVID issues, but the Chargers will get Keenan Allen back off the list after he missed last week. A big win over the Giants. They coasted in Justin Herbert won. AFC Offensive Player of the Week, and now he'll get Allen back in the mix as they look to sweep the Chiefs and take first place in the AFC West. And the Chiefs are looking to get back on track offensively against a team other than the Raiders. The defense has been really outstanding the past several weeks, one of the best in the league. The offense still, they've done what they wanted against the Raiders in two games, but I'd like to see it against another opponent, and tonight will be a big test against the Chargers. So a great one to kick off Week 15 tonight on Thursday Night Football. College football bowl season is here, so that means we have NFL on Saturday games. The Army-Navy game, another really good one last week, was the last regular season college game. So now NFL Saturday, which I love, is here. The first game on Saturday is Vegas at Cleveland. 
again, the Raiders are the team that Kansas City has looked like more like itself this season. That's not a good sign. I'm just surprised they've gone with so many single high safety looks compared to other teams that have done well in containing the Chiefs offense. So that's been surprising. Derek Carr hasn't played well, really, since the Henry Ruggs situation, since Ruggs has been cut by the team, understandably. They are still somewhat alive for the playoffs, despite getting killed by the Chiefs again last week. I think the combined deficit has been 89-13 to 13 this season in favor of the Chiefs. But now they face a Browns team that, again, has been hit by COVID hard. And it comes after they just got a huge win against Baltimore to bring the AFC North closer. Look for a lot of Nick Chubb on Saturday. As the Browns look to get past this tough stretch with a lot of players on the COVID list and get a win to keep the momentum going after getting the win over the Ravens. And then the second game on Saturday, the night game, comes after the 4 four o'clock window game. Saturday night, the Patriots face the Colts. And I am really excited for this one. I think it's the game of the week. Both teams are coming off the bye. It should be an awesome game. If you've been watching HBO's in-season hard knocks with the Colts, you saw that Naheem Hines said, like, the Patriots are basically playing, like, the best team right now. And he was, like, surprised and, like, and almost, like, concerned that the Patriots also had their bye. And he knows it's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be somewhat of a titanic matchup. They've been playing as well as anyone right now, the Pats and the Colts. Jonathan Taylor has been unstoppable, but Bill Belichick is as good as anyone at taking away top players. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays Taylor in the Colts run game. So this will be a must-watch, and the NFL couldn't have done too much better than this on their first Saturday night game of 2021. And I forgot to mention last week, after the Patriots beat the Bills on Monday night with three passing attempts from Mac Jones, I forgot to mention again how selfless the Patriots players have showed they are. It couldn't have been too fun for the receivers to be blocking however many times they block compared to three pass attempts. But Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, they were both brought in as free agents. Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, and Jonu Smith at tight end. They also had to block a lot. They didn't complain or show frustration. They were just happy to be winning, happy to be on a good team like the Patriots. And as I said a few weeks ago, they spent big in free agency, which can come sometimes not be good. But they got the exact right type of people along with the talent these players had. And it allows them to do whatever they need to win games and not worry about appeasing players. So that's big. Now moving to Sunday, another good game, I think. The Titans face the Steelers. It should be a really tough matchup. Pittsburgh has not played good against the run at all. You saw they got torched by Dalvin Cook last week for over 200 yards. Yet this still profiles as a tough, gritty type of game to me. Another thing I forgot to mention last week is Mike Rabel, while the Titans were on their bye, he tweeted during Sunday Night Football, the catch rules, that the NFL officiating, they tweeted the reasoning for a play, and it was basically wrong. They said 
about a time element is needed for a catch, and that's just not true. Go look at the rules, and that's why Rabel tweeted out the rules, a screenshot of it, and time is not an element necessary for a catch. And I just want to say this because it seems the NFL is just, or it's officials, whatever, it, it's scoring too with Elias. They don't rule things correctly. It's like they're almost freewheeling what a catch is, and I don't think the old catch rule had it. It wasn't perfect, maybe, but I don't think it had to be changed to this new one, which apparently the league isn't following anyway. So I don't know. I just seeing that because it's kind of frustrating that we still, or now we don't know what a catch is almost. It's even more confusing now than it was whenever the rule was changed five years ago. But Rabel came back and had his team prepared off the bye. They shut out the Jaguars 20 to 0. It was about as perfect of a performance off the bye as the Titans could have hoped for. That's their style of game they would like to play. Just totally dominate defensively with a shutout, which is difficult to do, obviously. Julio Jones returned the lineup, and I still, he hasn't shown it quite yet. But I think still keep an eye on him as a potential difference maker down the stretch and into the playoffs. And also keep an eye on A.J. Brown. Should be back soon. He's on IR now with his various injuries. But for this week, look for them to run the ball with Deontay Foreman and Dontra Hilliard against the Steelers team that, again, has struggled against the run. It should be a close game. The Panthers take on the Bills. These two teams are pretty familiar with each other, not in terms of playing, but in terms of guys that have been in one organization, gone to the other. Carolina is coming off a tough loss last week to the Falcons. The offense, again, struggled in their first game without offense coordinator Joe Brady. They went a lot with the two quarterbacks, with both Cam Newton and P.J. Walker. I like them both. As I've said before, I think Walker can be a serviceable starter if needed in the NFL. And I think two quarterback systems can work to some extent. We've seen what the Saints have done with Taysom Hill when Drew Brees was still there. But I'm not sure about how the Panthers are doing it. It's like they're just rotating them in like it's a competition right now. It almost feels like a preseason type of thing. I'm not sure you can find a rhythm doing that. It's almost like they take one or the other out after a bad series or or a bad play. But they're going to continue doing it, apparently. And now Sam Darnold... His practice window has been activated, so we might have him thrown back in the mix too. The Bills are now 7-6 and six after their overtime loss to the Bucks last week. But you've got to admire the fight that they showed. It's almost like Josh Allen won't let his team get blown out. It had some feeling of the Super Bowl last year when the Bucks destroyed the Chiefs. However, Allen and Buffalo battled back, forced overtime, easily could have won it. It was a tight game, and... That was my Super Bowl pick. It sort of felt like a Super Bowl game, and I would not be shocked at all if we see them play again in February. Josh Allen did get banged up and was wearing a walking boot after the game. There's almost no way he's going to miss time. He should be fine. He's not going to be 100%. But even when you're injured, I'm not sure people understand this. A lot of people... When you're injured, you can still, assuming it's not a terrible injury, like if it's a ankle sprain or something, you could still run around 
even if you're limping when you walk. We know Aaron Rodgers is dealing with the broken picky toe. He's had to limp at times, but he can still run if he's if it's needed. Oftentimes, it's about toughness. Allen clearly has that. He's going to run if he needs to. That's what needs to happen, even if it's hurt, hurting a little bit. And sometimes, depends on the injury, obviously, but running isn't that bad. might not hurt that bad. It might be more so cutting for like an ankle sprain. But anyway, Allen should look like himself, I think, for the most part on Sunday as the Bills look to get a win, get to 8-6 and six in a tough AFC playoff picture. Speaking of injuries, we have the Eagles returning from their bye, hosting Washington. We've got to keep an eye on the ankle injury of Jalen Hurts. I didn't think he would miss any time with it, but he missed week 13 before the bye. And now it's been revealed that it's a high ankle sprain that he's dealing with, so that's not good. A high ankle sprain is where things get worse, and if you try to play on it, it might not really ever get better during a season. I don't think there's any question Hurts is going to do everything he can to play and will want to play, but the Eagles might not let him if they don't feel he's ready. So keeping an eye on that, we'll see if Jordan Howard is back from his knee injury. That would be big. Washington's defensive line is decimated right now because of injuries and COVID. I think Howard is the lead back, getting positive yardage up the middle. And then Miles Sanders and the others mixing in is a recipe for success for Philadelphia. And for Washington, again, also hit pretty hard by COVID. Terry McLaurin's in the concussion protocol. Taylor Heineke's banged up. But they have found a way to compete. And they've put themselves right in the playoff picture. They were getting killed by the Cowboys last week. Had a great comeback. Nearly had They had a shot to win it at the end. So it should be a close game, close divisional game this week in the NFC East. Another divisional game in the AFC South. The Texans face the Jaguars. We already hit a lot on the Jags with the Urban Meyer situation. I think the Jags will come out and play well the final four games. They might rally a little bit and try to show that they can win games, especially without a coach they weren't happy with. And as outlined last week, the Texans want to see what they have in Davis Mills at quarterback before perhaps needing to make a decision on bringing in another young quarterback next week. And this game, both teams are going to want to get a win. You don't want to be at the bottom of the standings, but naturally a lot of people are going to be looking at this one for draft position. They're both 2-11 and 11 right now, and the loser of this week will be the favorite for the number two pick and in the mix for the number one pick, depending on what the lines do. Staying in the 1 o'clock window, the Cowboys face the Giants. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like this game is normally in the late afternoon window or on Sunday night or something. So it being at 1 o'clock might be an indication of where the Giants are as a franchise at this point. It's been a struggle these past several years. And also keep in mind for the Cowboys giving up a lead or almost giving up a lead to Washington last week. It's almost like both sides stopped playing. Washington had some backups in, at least, I'm not sure overall, but at least the backup running backs. Antonio Gibson was out, like almost like the game was over. 
Washington ran for a touchdown and it almost looked like it was just a preseason game at the end or something again. But then the Dak Prescott pick six was huge that turned things and got Washington actually back in it. So I don't know what happened there with Dallas's offense. I expect Dak, he's an excellent quarterback to bounce back. And the defense, they can hang their hat on that one. The defense continues to make game-breaking plays led by Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. And Daniel Jones will be out again for the Giants this week. It sounds like he might be out for the season with his neck injury, unfortunately. Hopefully that's it and it's not anything too serious. There are rumors rumbling that it might be career-threatening. Hopefully those are just rumors. I think Mike Glennon has had a little bit of trouble seeing the field. He's had guys open. He had Saquon Barkley open on a couple of checkdowns at least last week and didn't go to him. Word is Jake Fromm might get some time at quarterback. As long as he's comfortable with the offense again, he just joined the team, I guess it's been two, three weeks ago now. But I was high on him coming out of Georgia. I'd like to see him play and maybe make a start the last game or two. So we'll see if Fromm gets action this week for the Giants. The Lions will host the Cardinals this week. The Cardinals are coming off a close home loss to the Rams. They got an onside kick at the end to give them a chance. I think it was four onside kicks last week, which is shocking. Four onside kicks around the league. The Cardinals are 10-3, and and their three losses have all come at home, so that's just very strange. For whatever reason, their physical playing style maybe, and you saw how James Conner leads that on offense with the way he's played this year. The Cardinals are better on the road, but still you want that first-round buy, and they're still in the mix for that. This might be an opportunity for them to get right against the Lions. However, DeAndre Hopkins is out for the regular season and maybe the entire season. There's some hope we'll be back late in the postseason. I don't know about that. He had surgery on a torn MCL, so it's going to be tough, but he's done for the regular season. Thankfully, the Cardinals are a deep at receiver. The Lions had a COVID situation too, and the flu, regular flu last week. That impacted their preparation and players that were available for the game. The loss to the Broncos. As was expected from the outset, they've played teams tough for the most part, but they need to avoid getting run all over by James Conner and the Cardinals this week and try to keep things close. And the final 1 o'clock game for Week 15, another divisional one. The Jets face the Dolphins. Zach Wilson is now in a tough spot without Corey Davis and Elijah Moore at receiver. Their big Frisian acquisition on offense, Davis, and more a second-round pick who's who's been superb since about a few weeks ago. Wilson was without both of them last week against the Saints, so that's a tough spot. But it'd be good to see some growth over these final four games, especially with the accuracy. The Dolphins are right where I outlined they might be able to be. With a promising schedule on paper, they're six and seven, with a chance to get to seven and seven at Christmas, and they're favored against the Jets this week. They have a good shot, you would think, to do that. But now their running backs have been wiped up by COVID, and now Jalen Waddle landing on the COVID list. 
it's going to make it more difficult. And they had the extra time to prepare coming off the bye. For the 4 o'clock games, we'll start with the Bengals at the Broncos. Denver is currently three-point favorites. One of the most surprising game lines of the week to me. The Bengals are coming off an overtime loss to the Niners. It's a tough one. Their run game for Cincinnati has not been able to get going the past couple of weeks. So that'll be huge if they could get Joe Mixon going because he's really the key to their offense and working off the play action. Bengals head coach Zach Taylor said that his team is one that nobody wants to play. I think a lot of that has to do with their ability to run, so they need to get going there. But it's somewhat surprising Taylor said that. The Bengals haven't been afraid to say things like that, so they're at least a confident group. There will be three weeks after this, so it's not like a must-win, but this might be a determining game for the Broncos if they're really contenders for a playoff spot or not. Facing a fellow AFC contender for a wildcard spot, they play them at home. The critical part for them also is their own game, I think. Melvin Gordon returned last week. After Javante Williams started on Sunday night a couple of weeks ago, Gordon returned and ran really well. He probably wanted to remind people that he can play at a high level too, and he did that. So Gordon and Williams, they make the Broncos offense go. Over in the NFC, another matchup with big wildcard implications. The Falcons face the Niners. The Atlanta defense deserves more credit than they've gotten. They're not a team that gets talked about much at all. Maybe because it's felt a lot like the Falcons haven't won as many games as they had. They're 6-7 and because it's been ugly at times. The defense has been a big part of them being 6-7 and and remaining in the playoff picture. The Niners again in overtime win last week over the Bengals, game-winning touchdown by Brandon Ayuk who showed off his athleticism with the leap to the pylon. George Kittle had another sensational performance. He won NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Debo Samuel was back in the lineup. Since Ayuk has essentially gotten out of the doghouse at about midseason, the Niners' offenses look different, and since George Kittle returned from IR, Jimmy Garoppolo can hit them for big plays. His yards per attempt, I think, is third in the league. That paired with a run game and a defense that has talent and is getting better. San Francisco is a team to watch after they were just in the Super Bowl two seasons ago. The Seahawks face the Rams. The Rams are coming off the win at Arizona. That was a key win for Matthew Stafford to beat a team that far over 500 on the road. I think he was 0-17 in his career against teams with a winning record, five games over 500. So that could be a confidence booster heading into the final four games as they look to maybe win the division. And then into January, they might be confident they can win games like that, especially on the road. But the Seahawks have done what they need to do and one game to stay alive they're at five and eight now just a game out of a playoff spot in the nfc rashad penny he 
was primed for a bigger workload last week, former first-round running back, and he took advantage of his opportunity, went over 100 yards, two touchdowns, broke a long touchdown run, a couple of long touchdown runs, really. So it's been good to see him, after he's dealt with so many injuries throughout his career, have that type of game, and he'll look to build on that and keep it going over the Final Four. And also, because we hit on it last week, I want to mention the Russell Wilson. There was a new report about teams he'd accept a trade to, three new teams, or three teams overall, whatever. But Wilson said it's a non-story, and I believe him. It sounds like he really wants to stay in Seattle. He seems like the type of guy to want to play for one team his entire career unless things get really dire with the Seahawks. The final 4 o'clock window game on Sunday is Green Bay at Baltimore. The Packers are just clicking right now. They haven't gotten the star caliber players back that I mentioned last week, but Aaron Rodgers is just on fire. Him and Devontae Adams connected for two more touchdowns on Sunday night. When Adams plays on Sunday night, he's finding the end zone. It's basically a lock at this point. He has the record for consecutive games with a touchdown on Sunday night football. The Bears were off to a fast start on Sunday night. Sacked Aaron Rodgers a couple of times, did the belt celebration, Rodgers celebration. And that did not work out well at the end of the game when the Packers just, after the slow start, just dominated from there on out. And as Devontae Adams said on Twitter, he said, question when has mocking the belt ever worked out? And it hasn't. Historically, Rodgers kills teams that mock the belt. The Ravens are relatively big underdogs at playing at home against the Packers because it shows how good Green Bay is this season. Baltimore fought back last week. One of the teams to get one of those onside kicks, and they nearly had a shot to get in position for a game-winning field goal from Justin Tucker. But they lost at Cleveland. Lamar Jackson left early with an ankle injury. Thankfully, it's just a, it's not a high ankle sprain. It was surprising he was carted off. I thought it might have been worse. But it sounds like he's day-to-day and just an ankle sprain, thankfully. Not anything with too bad of damage that they're not telling us. Unless they're just lying or something. But still, he's banged up, so we'll have to watch how he's moving around because running is a big part of his game, even though he can win from the pocket. And Jackson is probably going to need a massive performance to knock off the Packers. The Sunday night game, the Saints go to Tampa Bay to face the Bucks. At home, Tom Brady and the Bucks have just been lighting it up this season. Relatively speaking, the Saints have had some success against Brady. Although it almost seems like people forget the Saints lost to the Bucks last postseason. The Tampa Bay offense is in a great spot. Having Rob Gronkowski healthy has been huge. The Saints did get healthier themselves on offense. Alvin Kamara returned last week, scored a touchdown, handled a ton of touches. Taysom Hill ran for two touchdowns himself. Both teams play the run, maybe the best two run defenses in the league. The Bucs can lock up their division this weekend, and that might happen on Sunday night. Also, another story maybe I could have mentioned at the top, but it's coming to me now. NBC sideline reporter for Sunday Night Football, Michelle Tafoya, has been off the past three weeks, I think it's been. I thought it was strange. They never said, like, 
they just said she's been gone. Now Michael's announcing news that she's been off. They didn't wish her well or anything, like anything was wrong. So it appears what happened was Tafoya went on The View, the I think it's a morning show or day show, whatever it is. And I think since then she hasn't been on. On The View, she said how Colin Kaepernick would have a job if he was good enough. Basically, she didn't tow the party line for NBC, I think, maybe, might be the issue. So now, reportedly, she's not going to be back with Sunday Night Football after the season. She will be back on the sidelines this week, NBC said. But now, reportedly, she's not going to be back next year. So she's, I guess she spoke her mind, so she's done now, which is a shame. And she didn't, as far as I know, I didn't watch the segment. I just saw short clips and some quotes of what she said. It didn't seem anything outrageous to me. It seemed like fine, standard view. Probably most people, most Americans probably agreed with what whatever she was saying. Back to football, the final game of the week for Week 15, Monday night. The Vikings faced the Bears in Chicago. Soldier Field in December profiles as a gritty type of game. We'll see if that's a plus for the Bears or not. Because with the way the Vikings can run the ball, Dalvin Cook being back last week was a major boost for Minnesota. The Vikings are just in a better spot than the Bears right now. But it probably is best for the Bears if it's a gritty, close game that they can find a way to win at the end. Maybe Justin Fields uses his legs. So that one concludes Week 15. For a lock of the week, again, I'm not going to give one especially this week, looks pretty tough. However, if you want the picks, again, five each week. We were 4-1 and one last week. As I said last week, we were 5-0 and oh the week before, so 9-1 and one the past two weeks. If you want them, go check them out on wolfsports.com. And now let's get to the questions. First from Ryan in Massachusetts. What do I do now that my fantasy season is over? I don't have much of an answer for that. I just... I think watch the games anyway, if you're an NFL fan. We've got the Saturday games now, a really good Thursday game. So I think watch the games and wait for next year. Maybe you can do daily fantasy stuff if you want. So yeah, maybe you have emptiness or something. That's why you're asking the question without setting your lineup each week. But I think watch the games and take notes and get ready for 2022, assuming you're playing again. And one more question, Dave from... Or it's a comment. Dave from Florida. This came before the Meyer firing, the question, but it was, who do you think if the Jaguars get rid of Meyer, they will target for head coach? Thanks for the question. I mentioned earlier on the show, Jim Caldwell, I think, is somebody that people have been talking about. I think he'd be a great option again. He won 11 games in a season for the Lions, which is like almost unheard of. So I think he should get a call and he'd be somebody that would be great for Trevor Lawrence to work with. I don't have anyone else off the top of my head that would be a good fit. I think guys like Josh McDaniels might not want the Jaguars job. Although Shad Khan is a patient owner, but there's going to be work to do, even though you have the quarterback and Lawrence there. So I think the show might've went a little longer than I anticipated, but we'll leave it there for week 15 again all 32 teams will be playing 
including a strong Thursday game and two Saturday games, including a highly anticipated Saturday night one, for me at least. So enjoy all the games on four different days this week. And we'll be back next week for a show before Christmas. Thank you for listening.